It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And you could also be listening on the iHeartRadio app if you type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. And uh, you could be listening, as I say, on the iHeartRadio app. Take us with you anywhere you go. Now, you might also be listening on one of the other radio stations that carry Moment of Truth. We welcome you as listeners. We also welcome people that are listening on their favorite podcast platform or on our uh, SoundCloud as well. It is also a pleasure to welcome to the show with me, I have Connor Serzin. He is the Communications and Partnerships Program Coordinator with Keros. So it's a pleasure to have uh, Connor with us. Now, I got a hold of Keros last week, and that was on uh, specifically coming up to May 5th, which of course is uh, the National Day of Awareness for Missing and Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, and a Red Dress Day. And I noticed from the Keros website that they had a number of things to commemorate the day. And I thought it was interesting that they put those up there, bringing all of these things together. So I wanted to reach out to them to see if we could talk a little bit about why Keros thinks it's important that they uh, try to bring awareness and also to bring all of these things together. Now, a little bit more about Keros itself. Uh, From their website, it says, We are Indigenous settlers and newcomers in Canada working with people of faith and conscience or conscience all over the world for ecological justice and human rights. And it says, Keros, faithful action for justice and peace. So it's a pleasure to have Connor Sarazen with us on the show. Welcome, Connor. Thank you. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about Keros itself? How long has it been around, you know? Um, they've been around, actually, uh, they're working on their uh, 20th anniversary mm. uh, this year mm-hmm. and do, you know, fantastic work. Uh, ecological justice, gender justice, uh, indigenous rights, migrant justice. So, like, right now, there's um, a great programming for empowering tempor- temporary foreign workers. And that's, uh, that's a, a huge thing. This project targets basically the Maritimes in Ontario. Yeah, there's 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 so many things. It's hard to to keep up sometimes. Uh, I thought it was interesting what you said there about the workers, the the foreign workers, and and some justice for them. Is that what you said? Something about that? Uh, one of the the programs that we have um, is temporary foreign worker program for those that are coming in. You know, they they work on our you know the large farms. You know, like down yeah. south and. You know, they, they depend on, you know, they come up here for, you know, six months or however length of time. And um, the money that they take back home to support their families is, is dependent on, you know, them coming here and and doing the job that, you know, you and I don't necessarily want to do. Mm-hmm. In turn, we also depend on them, you know, to help supply our, our grocery stores and, you know, so... You know, it's a it's a, a give and take and, and a win win. Um, so supporting, you know, these workers, especially during this time of, of COVID, when I know I personally don't want to be traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, but if they, you know, they're willing to leave their their home and their family behind to come up here and and continue to work, and again, it's all about sustaining sustaining people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's much needed, um, you know, program, and, you know, for us to be able to uh, help work um, 
work on that and assist them. Um, it's definitely an important endeavor to uh, to go on. And as you mentioned, during this time of COVID, we've heard a lot about the foreign workers because of, unfortunately, the, the conditions that they are put into uh, through this situation. And uh, there's been outbreaks in, of COVID within their communities on the farms and things. So I remember hearing that last summer, going into fall. And uh, so it's good to hear that there is something there, you know, that, that you guys are doing to, to help protect them and, and, and protect their rights. You know, they are away from home. They're, they're doing this and, and, as you say, coming up to do the work that not necessarily other Canadians want to do. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, with the networks uh, that Kairos has in, um, you know, helping to assist, you know, assist these people with, you know, whatever needs they may be facing um you know it's just a matter of making the connections and 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 helping helping people basically is what it comes down to mm. so just about helping people right it sounds like also because of what Karos did with the website going back to the the original topic that we were going to talk about and that is the the may day of may 5th which is the red dress day and national day of awareness for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and although this is post May 5th, I don't think that lessens this idea of having the importance of keeping this in people's minds fresh and uh, and keeping that in in the forefront all year round because it, this has been an ongoing ongoing and I mean I mean decades of of missing and murdered indigenous women that has only climbed in numbers. Oh, absolutely, and it just continues to climb. Um, mm. It doesn't matter like even since the final report and that inquiry was done, mm. um, you know, the numbers just continue to climb mm -hmm. and whether you, um, you know, you, you live in Canada or whether you, you know, happen to reside in the U S um, it's a crisis, mm -hmm. um, you know, even on, you know, stats, Canada, um, it has, like that indigenous women and girls are five times at a you know, higher rate mm. um, than the rest of any other ethnic group. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's, that just boggles my mind really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the fact that the numbers just happen to, to be climbing um, and I know there've been some reports out there and, um, even the actual final report of the missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls, um, you know, they they determined that they're victims of, you know, Canadian genocide, mm -hmm. um, you know, from its pre-colonial, um, you know, past uh, to today. Right. And it's really just been aimed to destroy um, Indigenous people. Right. Now, whether you agree or disagree or, um, you know, kind of stay out of it altogether, um, whatever your opinion is, um, the fact, bottom line is, is that, you know, these group um, of Indigenous women and girls and, and Two-Spirit, um, you know, they're being targeted and, you know, it's, the loved ones, you know, the families that are, are left behind mm. that never know. Right. They don't know what happened. Um, you know, they, 
you know, for those that are, are missing, you know, they don't know if they're dead or alive. Um, you know, they don't have no closure. And for those murders that are, you know, left unsolved, there's still no closure for the family there either. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's a definite crisis. Um, and, you know, this is a situation that's existed for generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just continues to harm and destroy families. Right. Because we are talking about missing and murdered. Now, for the por- proportion of the the women who are murdered and the number of cases that are not solved, as you just pointed out, that alone should be concerning for people. And, and why I say that is because what that means is there are perpetrators walking around in society. That's what that means, right? When they're unsolved. There are people out there that have committed these acts and they're walking around out there. Absolutely. That we should all be concerned about. We tend to focus, rightfully so, on, on, the, on as you say, the families that are left behind, and we, we, we'd like them to have closure. But on the other side of that, that means there are people walking around out there that have committed these acts, that are, haven't been brought to justice. You know, there's a story on your website, uh, one of the stories around this issue, the, of the commemoration on this particular page. And as you scroll down the page, there are many stories uh, from the Faceless Dolls Project that we see, and then um, unsolved cases, that the stories linked to about missing and murdered Indigenous women, the Red Dress Project, the girls, and it is the doll story, in fact, the Faceless Dolls Project. And these students at a school are making them and to raise awareness. And one of the girls that is, that, that is interviewed in the story says... You know, when I was doing this, it it was then, you know, I realized, yeah, these are people. Are, are, is that what we have started to do? Think of these people, these missing women and girls as not people? I mean, that, that was quite a, quite an, a statement, I thought. Yeah, and um, being, like, for myself, being First Nations, mm-hmm. um, growing up in the society that we do, um, it's very, I think, easy for society to dismiss um, Indigenous people as not actually being people. Um, and growing up, you know, it's just something that, unfortunately, you become accustomed to, mm-hmm. um, not being seen. Yep. Um, and... I remember even, you know, growing up, my mom used to make these faceless dolls Mm. and I never understood, um, you know, the significance of it, Mm. of course, until I was, you know, much older. Sure. Um, But I think a lot of people forget, um, forget that, you know, through all of, you know, the the history of Canada and, and the struggles um, for um, indigenous people to um, to remain, you know, a people and a, and a nation within um, within themselves and you know the community, um, you know, because like earlier, um, you know, Canada has you know worked hard at removing indigenous people. And, you know, for, you know, some of the programs like we have that, you know, the, the Kairos blanket exercise, um, mm. for example, mm. 
and you know even some of the teaching and sharing circles um, that we have you know where you know it's it's firsthand account of you know um, indigenous people speaking about both their history and and the impacts and people don't realize um, Canada's true history mm. um, you know and, and a lot of people throw around the, the term you know um, Canada's genocide mm-hmm. and a lot of people um, don't really realize that you know under the uh, the UN law um, what Canada has done and continues to do is actually genocide um, but within Canadian law they've actually written it in such a manner that it isn't being recognized as genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, different takes. And, of course, you're going to have, you know, it, you know, you, you speak to a thousand people, you're going to get a thousand different inter, um, mm. uh, opinions. Um, but, you know, it doesn't surprise me that people are shocked to find themselves thinking that, Oh, these are people, (laughs) Mm. you know, they're not just, they're not just faceless beings wandering, you know, the earth, they're, they're people, they're mothers, they're daughters, they're aunts, they're, um, you know, grandmothers, Mm -hmm. sisters, or grandchildren. And they all have families. Right. Exactly. So I want to mention that if you go to the Keros Canada website, if you go to kerouscanada.org, you can find these things on their page. Of course, you can also just uh, Google Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls if you want to find out more. And if you want to uh, find out more or see the report that Connor mentioned about the uh, National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, you can find that by going to mmiwg.org dash f-f-a-d-a dot c-a backslash and you know the other thing connor that i was thinking about do you remember hearing about on may 5th how the um, instagram went down or something and there was they had taken down a lot of the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls uh postings or something did you hear about that uh yeah yeah because we um had a whole campaign planned Mm. Mm. and i think only one or two Posts actually made it on there. Mm, (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, But Connor, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I want to say Nyawa and Chimigwech for joining us here and talking about uh, this Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Day, May 5th, which is the day uh, and also the the National Day for Awareness of Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, as well as the Red Dress Day. Uh, even though we are post that, it's still very important to get that the message out there. And just as you are on your website that I mentioned, that people can go to the KerosCanada.org website to see uh, some of the things that you've got posted. Uh, you can link to, that you can share, and that you can find out more. And don't forget, if you want to find out more about the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Report, you can go to MMIWG dash f-f-a-d-a dot c-a backslash and you can find that report there connor been a pleasure uh having you on the show i want to thank you for taking the time to join us and, and talk about this today 
yes, I'm a glitch, David. You I bet. appreciate the right. opportunity to speak with you. All right. You take care. You too. Thanks, David. Yep. Yeah. Bye-bye. That's Connor Sarazen. He is the Communications and Partnership Program Coordinator with Keros Canada, and we spoke with him from Ottawa, Ontario, here on the show. That's this portion of the program. Please don't go away. We'll be right back here on Moment of Truth and Element FM right after this with more. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. All right, we're back, and this is Moment of Truth on Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest here on the show is Sean Cutland. Now, Sean Cutland is half Cree and half Mohawk, but all deadly. He is a comedian, and he got into comedy to honor his storytelling ancestors. Now, Sean is also part of the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, and he has a show that is going to be aired coming up on June 5th. So if you go to Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, you can check Check out all that stuff. It'll give you, uh, you know, if you scroll down the homepage, it'll give you uh, all the stuff that's going on. And I imagine, and it is, it's part of the celebration stage. So if you scroll down the page, you go to the celebration stage, you can find out about Sean's performance coming up on, as I said, June 5th. And so, Sean, welcome to the show. You said that was part of the... The uh, Gotland Show. The Gotland Show. So, yeah. uh, Sean, it's a pleasure to have you on here. I'm going to tell people a little bit more about you. Uh, he made appearances at the Winnipeg Fringe, the Woke Comedy Hour, Laughter in Medicine, Comedy Night in Calgary, Trevor's Pad at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa, and was lucky enough to get drawn out of the bucket on Kill Tony, the number one live comedy podcast in the world. And he's also part of the satirical group The Feather. And when performing is back on, you can check out his open mic, The Funny Bone Schmumbity Zone, <laughs> co-ran with Danny Knight. And he lives in Saskatoon, so we welcome him to the show. And uh, Sean, you're, you're, I guess you're calling in from uh, Saskatoon, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here in my kitchen in Saskatoon right now. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's great to have you here, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Now, I understand from reading a little bit about uh, your your efforts in comedy, you got started about three years prior to COVID. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And so what at that time uh, got, you, uh, got you thinking that this is something you could do? Um, well, I was... I was always into stand-up comedy and I didn't, I, I even like was into it to the point where I did like write my own material on a laptop. Okay. And then I, like, I didn't realize that we actually had open mic nights in Saskatoon because mm. I didn't know there was a place to, to try and perform. Okay. So then when I finally found them out, I, I ended up going to one for like a few months and until I finally like had the courage to go up and do it myself. But it was kind of funny because my, my buddy, Danny Knight, he was the one who uh, me and him got into this together and we were writing jokes together and he went up one week before me. And then the next week he pressured me by saying like, if you don't go up, I'm going to tell one of your jokes then. And then I was like, oh, no, like, I got to tell my own jokes. <laughs> and then I signed up and went up that night. And I've been going up ever since. <laughs> Great. So when you said you were writing material, you started writing comedy, does that mean you were writing it um, and, and allowing other people to try it out or, or use it, like your friend Danny? Or, or what did you mean by that? Oh, like I was just, just for fun. Like okay. I would just like, 
uh, write out like comedy bits and stuff like that. Just trying to see like if I could make my own set. Yep. Now, you know, three years in, in the running and then, and then COVID hits, um, I guess you were, you were kind of at three years, just getting yourself, uh, solidified a little bit as a comic, you know, it takes a while to, to find yourself, to get your groove and to, to find, to read an audience, all of those kind of things, like anything. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, uh, it really did put a halt in things like just before the pandemic, I had like, uh, two, two not good shows in the Ottawa at Yuck Yucks. Mm. And then I came back to Saskatoon and um, a whole bunch of comedians, uh, we put on a show that was going to be filmed and sent to Just for Laughs for Mm. an audition. Mm -hmm. And I I was the one who filmed it and everything. And um, I, we had like a sold out room and everyone put on like really good sets and Mm. we made like a good video, but then that was like, the day before lockdown. And then after that, like there was like no just for laughs that yeah, year that, yeah. that audition tape was kind of just for nothing. But wow. um, yeah. So then after that, we kind of were trying to figure out what else we could do. Like I've, I've been doing like zoom mm-hmm. open mics and mm-hmm. stuff. I yeah. even have like a zoom comedy show tonight with okay. a bunch of comedians from Winnipeg. Right. Um, but then, uh, some comedians from Saskatoon, uh, Dakota Ray Hebert, she, um, she started, uh, lawn chair laughs where <laughs> we, we were getting booked in like backyard parties for oh, yeah. people all over Saskatchewan. Like right. I was, I was going up to PA and to do a show and, uh, we went like all over Saskatchewan pretty much. And it was a, like, yeah, it it kept us busy for the summer. We were like booked almost every weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, lawn chair laughs. I love it. Now uh, I, I also, now I guess though, with going to online performances and I've, saw, I've spoken with a couple of other and, and heard about some other comedians that have been talking about this. Uh, it's, it's of course a completely different animal because you don't have a live audience that you can play off of. Uh, yeah. The audience is such a, you have to read the audience. You don't get that laughter or energy, I guess. Um, but I, I hear more and more now about uh, comedians taking stuff and going online, finding ways around this um, and, and working with it. Is that what you're, you're seeing as well? Um, well, I think there's definitely like a whole community out there of comedians who are kind of taking advantage of this and they're, they're doing Zoom open mics to craft new material mm. during this yeah. time. Like, sure. Like that was what I was worried about is like if if when the we got back to performing and I was doing the same jokes mm-hmm. like yeah. after a year sure. it would <laughs> feel kind of stale so like these Zoom comedy mics have allowed me to like keep writing new material this past year and yeah yeah it's been I've still been able to progress so but I also understand that you did um a couple of uh, gigs that you wouldn't necessarily find humor or, or or think of them having included humor and they are funerals. You you had a couple of funerals in your family that you ended up going to, I understand. Um yeah, like uh my my aunt had passed away uh last year in the summer and there that was like during COVID and mm. um we didn't really have like a full on funeral. We just had like a 
an outdoor like family gathering mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was kind of an odd situation that day because like i i was expecting like my dad was gonna do the eulogy mm. but then all of a sudden he was just like uh, he just kind of like laid it on me <laughs> just like the morning of the of the gathering and mm-hmm. i was just like are you serious and i was just like running around like trying to get some more info of right. like my aunt's earlier years right. and it seemed like people didn't were, didn't want to give up the info so i just like <laughs> i just wrote a i talked about what i knew of her and and my relationship with her and and it was pretty cool because like you know it's a it's a memorial and everyone's mm. there you know and they're in a somber mood and when i like got up to start talking they weren't expecting me to crack a joke. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I got that laughter, you could just feel the, the relief mm-hmm. in the area. Like right. it, was, it was a pretty cool feeling. And that was in Aquasasne. That's where your mom is from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so what kind of material do you usually draw from for you, for your show? Um, I usually, I, I used like, like to talk about anecdotes of, from my own life that mm. I can try and that are most relatable to people. Right. And then like, I do have like a lot of like uh, jokes where I like to drive in the white guilt and talk about <laughs> reconciliation. <laughs> but, right. And those jokes get pretty awkward in the, in the, in the backyard shows when you're only performing for like nine people. And then all right. of a sudden you start talking about reconciliation. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. I guess uh, I can understand that. Reconciliation at the best of time is, is sort of an awkward topic, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or can be, depending on the audience, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you've got this show that is with the summer solstice, and it's on the 5th of June, and people can go to the to the summersolsticefestival.ca website uh, to find out about that. To scroll down, as I, as I said, go to the comedy, music, and more uh, area. If you click on that, that's going to take you to the celebration stage, and that'll give you... Uh, like I said, that'll give you all the details on what's going to roll out. And you can find your event. You can uh, list it. You can scroll for it. You can ask about it. And so the Gotland Indigenous Comedy with eight performers. And that's uh, uh, that's uh, what Sean is going to be part of. And uh, it's a free event. Could I, could I also tell people to uh, check out my podcast with Danny Knight? It's uh, the Real can. Deadly Podcast. It's available on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Cool. Sean, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Uh, congratulations on uh, your success. Congratulations on this event. Uh, people can go there and check it out, along with the uh, the other artists that are going to be featured, comedy artists that are going to be on the show. Gotland Indigenous Comedy. It is on June 5th on the Summer Solstice Festival website, and you can go there and check it out. It's a v- free event starting at 8 p.m. until 9.30 p.m., and I'm guessing that's an Eastern Standard Time. So... Uh, great, Sean. Are you going to be checking it out? You always, you go and uh, watch yourself, uh, you know, to to see how it goes after you've recorded something. Yeah, well, actually, um, in that show, uh, the video that I submitted is actually the one I talked about, the one that we recorded the night before. Oh yeah, pandemic started. So it's called the last laugh, and it's right. my set from 
right before lockdown. Right, the last laugh makes sense. You know what? Yeah. I was going to ask you if you were going to give that uh, video new life because it makes sense that, that you could be able to use those in other ways just like we were talking about. So that's great. Excellent. Yeah. All right, I'm Sean. I'm excited to get people to see it. So. Yeah, that's right. All right. Jimmy Gwetch, you know, go for taking the time to join us on the show and, uh, and share this about your upcoming show on the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival and to check you out on your podcast with Danny Knight. And people can find that. What's that called again? Real Deadly. Real Deadly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Sean. Take care. Okay. okay, thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. See ya. That is the voice of Sean Cutland. He is half Cree, half Mohawk, all deadly comedian featured on the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival Gotland Comedy Night coming up on June 5th. Don't go away. We're going to be right back here on Moment of Truth with more right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. If you download the app, you can take us with you anywhere you go. Welcome to those listeners on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth, as well as if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or on our SoundCloud. We welcome everyone. It's also a pleasure to welcome back to the show. Now, we've had I've had both guests on the show separately, but today they are here together. And we have with us Shoshona Kish and as well as Amanda Rayum. Now, they are involved with the International Indigenous Music Summit. Shoshona Kish is an executive director, but she's also, I believe, the artistic director of one of the events, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Amanda is the operations manager. And so it is a pleasure to have them both here. A little bit more about both of these artists. Shoshona is an Ashnabakwe, and she is a community organizer, organizer, producer, activist, songwriter, Juno Award-winning touring artist, and she leads the multi-award-winning band Digging Roots, a band I very much appreciate and love, and her husband, Raven Kanatakra is uh, also in the band, and then she heads the band with him. Their music breaches categorization and seamlessly blends global and traditional indigenous sounds with roots, blues, and soul. Amanda is, I said, as I said, the events operations manager. She's a citizen of the Métis Nation, an amazing singing songwriter in her own right. She has self-managed her music career for over 15 years. She has released five full-length albums. Her album, Keep a Fire, was nominated for a Juno Award and won a Canadian Folk Music Award for Indigenous Songwriter of the Year. And Amanda is a proud member of the 2SLGBTQ plus community. It is a pleasure to welcome both Shoshona and Amanda to the show. Hello, Anine. <laughs> Anine, David. It's great to be here with you. It's great to have you guys both here. And as I was saying, we have uh, some exciting um, news to talk about, of course, the International Indigenous Music Summit. You guys have been very busy with this, I know. And so I <laughs> greatly appreciate you guys taking the time to join us and talk about it. Where do we start? Shoshona, do you want to start us off with this? Yeah, well, you know, I we're really excited. This work is, it's really a labor of love for both of us. You know, it's an artist-led organization and it's really about, you know, expanding platforms for Indigenous voices and storytellers and musicians and 
at the center of our gathering is ceremony. And, you know, we really wanted to build something that was rooted in our indigenous ways of knowing and being. And, you know, and it, this is our third year. So we're still like a, a brand new mm. um, event. And, you know, our first year was in Montreal and our second year was in New Orleans, which was like a minute before the <laughs> whole world shut down. Right. <laughs> and so this year we're bringing it back home to Anishinaabe territory. Um, we're hosting from traditional unceded Algonquin territory in Ottawa in partnership with the NAC. And um, I, yeah, we're doing some really special things that I'm very excited to talk about today. Uh, but yeah, you know, we've been extraordinarily busy trying to learn how to be um television broadcasters almost <laughs> because you know it's all online this year yeah you know with that that's the one thing i have been talking to a lot of people about because of covid these new technologies you know zoom has been so popular we've all learned how to use that it's a daily uh, way of communicating now but it, but it also means that it's opened up so many options uh, it doesn't limit us to specific areas anymore, right? I, I get to talk with so many people that the summit, I'm sure, has has by going virtual, has opened up things for you. Yeah, I I do agree. You know, it's obviously preferable to be able to be together in person, and doing this online is opening up opportunities for people that maybe weren't going to be able to travel, you know, from across the world or even from inside so-called Canada. You know, so it is. I'd say really exciting to um, to be able to bring people together that maybe weren't able to make it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that, you know, we really approached this year with a sense of not wanting to see it as a limitation, but to sort of break open potential and possibilities that are unique to right now. And, you know, and I think that's led us down a, a brand new path. So this year we're hosting like a special series called Giwewish and we've made these very beautiful um, short documentaries of artists so instead of like a um, a streaming showcase this year we have 16 artists that um, have really co-collaborated to create these beautiful um, short films with us that we're premiering at the summit and Giwewish means to carry home so we've spent time working with the artists to reflect on what it means to be home in this profound way right now and and what our relationship to land is and how that impacts our creativity and what you know how that ref- how we can reflect on our on our identity um, in that context. I'm having trouble speaking at this point because that's <laughs> We've stopped sleeping probably two weeks ago. <laughs> it's been a wonderful adventure, but lots of work. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned Giwewish, which is produced by Jennifer Podemski as well. Yes, and directed by Serene Fox, yeah. um, who uh, was just nominated for a, a Canadian Screen Award. Um, and she's uh, the production team is doing uh, just a wonderful job and these pieces for me and watching them we often <laughs> most of the time we just cry yeah <laughs> that's basically what's happening because <laughs> these artists are so incredible and the storytelling is so incredible and you know just the chance to see the land and hear these stories through through the artists voices and through their eyes um 
So in a sense, I see this showcase program this year, these documentaries are essentially like traveling across this beautiful land base and uh, through the eyes of artists. Mm. And, uh, you know, for people that are now a little bit uh, interested in this in, in International Indigenous Music Summit, it's happening from June 8th to the 12th, as you mentioned, in Ottawa, in conjunction with the National Arts Centres. So people can go online, of course, to the website to find out more, maybe uh, find out about tickets and stuff. Yeah, you can go to IndigenousMusicSummit.com. There is a, a big register button there and uh, anyone is uh, invited, everyone is invited to uh, to register and to attend um, the premiere of Go Away Wish. There's also going to be so many more beautiful and exciting and important conversations throughout the week as well. Yeah, no, it, as it's described, a unique gathering of artists, knowledge keepers, and community builders, inviting allies and cultural innovators, featuring artists, the music industry. They will come together honoring tradition and forging new paths through curated musical showcases, as we pointed out, networking activities, panels, and ceremonies. Can you tell us a little bit more about the networking activities? Networking to me is really about relationships and community building. So, you know, we have elder teachings that begin each day and and then we're hosting a number of conversations and they're really to uh, bring together thought leaders around these critical topics, but also for a chance for everyone to connect, you know, and I think that this is an important part of of what we're doing and then specifically hosting networking meetings. Um, we have a Indigenous presenters network meeting that's happening at the summit, which I'm really excited about, you know, just for our presenters to have a chance to talk and work together and dream up new things. And, you know, um, also a point probably that we should mention to you, David, is we're having a Indigenous radio uh, networking meeting and, you know, with the hope of radio folks connecting and talking about things. And it's not just across so-called Canada, but it's, you know, Indigenous radio from around the world. Um, so I'm hoping that that will lead to some really interesting conversations and perhaps shared programming and certainly intel on artists and that kind of thing. And, and you know, and there's, you know, online social aspects where artists can connect, people can set up meetings with each other they can set up a booth and receive people and even like live stream from their booths it's uh it's a pretty there's a lot there's going to be a lot happening <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so when people go to register how's that how's that going to operate is there a, is there a set price is it pay what you can how's that going to go yeah, so we set up a sliding scale um, for registration. There's a the value of what it would be um, and is worth. And then there are a few other options, you know, depending on where each person person is at. You know, this pandemic has been tough on so many people and especially in the music industry and mm. the live music industry. So, um, yeah, there's lots of uh, information on that register page and it's pretty easy to, to get a ticket. And then, you know, you'll get a confirmation and then you will get to go into our online platform, which is SwapCard, um, and make a profile and start seeing what's uh, what's going on. Mm. But people can can attend for free if the cost is prohibitive. Then right. we right. we really wanted it to be accessible to everyone. And of course, mm -hmm. if people have resources, we certainly appreciate it. But of we don't course. want anyone to feel like they can't come because you know right. I, it's just been such a challenging year. Mm. 
you're going to have some keynote speakers. Very excited for everyone to hear about our keynotes. And, and you know, and I'm also very excited about the elder teachings that we're mm. hosting each day. I think it's just a really important part of our programming to have elders present and have that opportunity to be in those kinds of conversations. You know, I, I think of the, the summit as a community event and we sort of, you know, we have all of these industry type things, but all of it for us really is about community. So we're opening <clears throat> the whole event with a welcoming ceremony, a welcome to land and a virtual feast. Um, delegates had the option to sign up for a, uh, a feast box that we shipped all over the world. Mm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so we're all going to be in our home places, breaking bread together and having ceremony. And so, and, you know, lighting fires and lifting up songs from around the world. So I'm really, I'm, ex I'm very excited to be in that space again. I really miss it. Yeah. Now, both of you are artists as well. And so I'm wondering how you see things have changed because I feel like there's a new energy or there's, there's something that has new or has changed in, in the last little while around Indigenous artists, Indigenous presentations. Is that just me or do you guys have that sense as well? I definitely feel it. I mean, we've always been here. Um, and, and at the same time, I think that there is this, uh, this surge and this uprising and this, um, you know, bigger energy that has been building for a long, long time. Amanda, what's going on with you as an artist? Anything new coming up? Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, I've actually been writing a new record um, for the last, I'd say, 18 months and, and very intensely the last six months, finishing up some songs. And so I'm just last week started pre-production um, with the producer Hill Corkutis and uh, we'll start recording right after the summit's over. Cool. A new record. Nice. Look forward yeah. to hearing that. That's Cannot great. wait. Yeah, congratulations. Well, and Amanda, you have, you have a single coming out. Yeah, I have a single coming up. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm your hype woman. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I forget everything that's going on. But um, I was a part of a Folk Music Canada project. It was a collaboration with myself and um, an artist down in Australia, uh, so-called Australia. And so that song, I'm so excited about that song. Hmm. And it'll come out in the middle of, uh, of June. Cool. Well, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on to talk about that once, uh, once it launches. Cool. That's great. Congratulations yeah. on that. Shoshona, what's, what's going on with you? Uh, digging Roots, what's happening? Um, well, you know, life is so funny right now because mm. we've, we're used to being on the road all of the time, yeah. but I'm very excited that we have a new album coming out. We also have a new single coming out and, um, and, you know, kind of on the DL, we should tell you that Amanda and I are launching a new record label called Ishkade Records. Okay. And so um, we, uh, we've we been working really hard on building that space. I'm really excited to tell the world about it. And we are going to officially launch it later in June. And, um, and there are some other exciting artists that uh, we're looking forward to introducing to the world um, on Ishkade. And uh, so... Both Amanda and uh, Digging Roots will our new stuff will be out on the new label. Now, it, what's the what's the idea behind creating the new label? Well, you know, we uh, Ishkade in Anishinaabemowin means fire, and uh, 
I think our dream is to to amplify voices and stories and songs for the eighth fire, you know, and it's just really referring to that that uh, prophecy, the seven fires prophecy. And, you know, the elders talk about us being in the seventh fire right now. And it's a time mm-hmm. of great turmoil and really a, a, a crossroads for us. And, you know, I think the, the possibility that we can choose a path to lighting that eighth and final fire of unity and harmony is, is kind of what drives me every day. So I think, you know, the label is really a natural extension of the work that I've done as an artist and, you know, in, in a sense, the space for this International Indigenous Music Summit, but it's a different avenue and a different way for us to to amplify and um, hold space for these stories. And, and you know, we really wanted to come into the space of like record labels and I'm using bunny ears because, you know, really... We're, we have zero interest in exploiting artists. Mm. You know, we want to, we, it will be a community space and we want it artists to, the artists that on the label will, will be um, a part of a community that isn't about exploitation. It's really about lifting each other up and exploring, you know, governance spaces that are about our traditional governance rather than, you know, capitalism, essentially. <laughs> so this is a grand experiment, but I, you know, I know that our systems work. I trust that. So uh-huh. we're, you know, we're exploring that. Um, and I'm really, really excited about it. It's just, uh, it's been a passion project for us, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's great. Congratulations to both of you. And it sounds like that's another, uh, another topic for us to have you guys back on in the future to talk about as well, right? That's- yes, exactly. We're going to be talking to you a lot. <laughs> that's okay. I'm here to help. That's what we're here for. So that's great. Now, going back to the Indigenous Music Summit, you guys, there's a lot of great artists, right? A lot of great artists featured. Oh, it's, uh, it's a- extraordinary. I'm so excited. Um, I think... You know, the other thing that's happening is that we are we're having um, international partner spotlights each day. So mm. we have a program of artists showcasing from the so-called Australia. Um, we have a Sami artist showcase from uh, Northern Europe in the Nordic region. Uh, we have a, a partner spotlight from South America and Mexico and and there will be artists showcasing from across so-called United States. So, you know, it's really there's a real global global community coming together here and I think Amanda, how many artists are showcasing in total at the summit? 48 artists from around the world, indigenous artists. So, we, you know, it's exciting. It's really exciting. There's going to be so much talent there. And that is really exciting. I love the idea about you bringing in those uh, those other indigenous artists from around the world. The Sami, uh, I, I've been a big fan of, of their music for a long time. They've got some wonderful stuff coming out of there, of course, mm-hmm. but all over the place. And look at Australia and New Zealand. I mean, it's great. All of all of this stuff. More the more indigenous music we can hear, and the more indigenous artists, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And so the, I this agree. Is, this is great. <laughs> this is great because there's so much amazing stuff out there really and you know i think that perhaps like as we're seeing this surge of of interest in indigenous arts on whole and indigenous voices seem to be having increasing platform um there are still so many 
challenges and barriers for artists, you know? And so we, we just want to shatter glass ceilings and like clear a path. And, you know, and I think that, uh, and I, I, I don't think of it as like a service to the indigenous community or something. I think about it as a gift to the world. Mm. And uh, Mm. these are voices that need to be heard. These are essential stories, you know, and, um, and they belong in the canon of the stories that people have access to and get Mm. to hear and light up their lives and inform, you know, how stories inform us about who we are and help us see ourselves together and dream ourselves together. So I just, I think it's so important to have, you know, all of these voices um, and all of these stories at the table. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about the artists that are showcasing this year. And we hope to continue to do this work of creating platform and amplifying because it's worth it. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. This is a Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show are Shoshona Keish. She is the executive director of the Indigenous Music Summit as well as Amanda Ryum, and she is the operations manager of the summit as well. And they are here to talk about summit, which we are doing. Now, uh, Shoshona, you just mentioned barriers. You know, there's so many barriers for artists. And I really think that uh, that sounds like something, one, that you guys are, are kind of trying to help to do with this new um, this new uh, uh, music project that you're doing and the, the label that you're creating. That's one of the things that comes to mind. But in terms of this, this summit, uh, it, the summit's going to give the opportunity for people to talk about some of these barriers, I'm, I'm guessing, and, and talk about mm-hmm. those things. So what, what do you guys hope that, that the summit, by talking about these barriers and, and uh, I guess, you know, opening up that conversation for new artists that are entering into the world of music, uh, get to hear, of course, some of the challenges, some of the things that they can get educated about. What are you hoping, though, that aside from discussing this, that, that, that this will produce uh, moving forward? You know, like I was saying, I, I really want us to be able to dream our greatest potential together, you know? And so to me, like the seed of the summit really comes from, you know, being backstage at this beautiful festival in Australia and sitting with a bunch of, you know, amazing humans, artists and community activators and uh, backstage and, you know, people from all over the world and having this really gorgeous conversation as the sun was going down after our set at the festival. And I Mm. thought, oh my gosh, this is maybe one of the most beautiful conversations I've ever been in. And I would love to have this in a broader way. Mm. And so that was like the, the Eureka moment or mm. the light bulb moment for the summit. Um, and we, I just started planning from there because I know that when we have a chance to work together and, and connect with each other, all of this creativity fills the space and indigenous people around the world are doing amazing, innovative things. And, you know, and it's also, you know, sharing that common experience because it's amazing. I, you know, can be in Northern Australia and talking about, you know, some of the challenges that we face as Indigenous artists or Indigenous peoples, and they are having such a similar experience there, Mm. you know, and it's not the same, Mm. but the common ground is really, Mm. it's Mm -hmm. really profound. And, um, and so I think there's, excuse me, real power in being able to share our stories with each other 
and hear about the amazing things that each other are doing to change and, you know, make trouble and, and transform spaces and, and all of these things. And it's just incredibly inspiring. So, you know, I, I just know the power of us working together and being together. And uh, so, you know, that's really the heart of the summit. Right. Uh, Amanda, you have anything to add to that? Well, that was beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I also just think that it's a, a place where we can have really uh, the conversations that need to be had and, and that these, you know, within our own community and, and with the outside community and also, it, you know, coming from a place of, of kindness and, and like the whole spirit of the summit is in, in, inclusive and also, you know, just, yeah, coming from that, that good place, you know, we're not wanting to cut people down or, or come from a place that isn't, you know, genuine and, and beautiful. So mm. that's what I also feel really excited about for right. the summit is the conversations we're going to get to have in a, in a kind and, uh, and loving way. Mm. Shoshona, you mentioned earlier about the, you know, it would be great to be able to get back on the road. You're used to being out on the road traveling and getting in front of a live audience and, and doing all those things. And I'm sure many artists are missing all, of all that for sure. But the other side of this, both as a summit and as individual artists that are both working and in the industry, uh, this last year and somewhat now because of COVID, because of the technologies, because of going virtual, how do you think that that is going to affect things in the future, both as artists and as uh, do you think, for instance, that the, the summit will ever go back to just being the live event? and Or do you think that we'll always be including, you know, elements of these new technologies because it opens up those those doors for, uh, you know, international participation, for instance, um, to have people attend um, and or uh, submit and or just, uh, you know, watch? Mm-hmm. You know, we've actually, we've actually asked... Uh, streamed our showcases both years as mm. well. We did mm. uh, Facebook live streams just mm-hmm. to, you know, create one more place where everyone can hear this beautiful and awesome music. So, you know, that that's always been on our radar. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that there's, you can't necessarily replace being in person mm-hmm. and that's the goal to get back there. But I, I think it would be wonderful to continue to include virtual aspects so that we can, you know, keep these connections alive if uh, if travel is too difficult or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, there isn't a returning to what we we did before all of this. Like, I think we've learned too much to, to just sort of flip the switch and try and go back to something else. And I actually think that the consequences of of, you know, the pandemic, uh, the recovery is going to take some time for music. Um, but I'm really optimistic that, you know, you just have all these creative people imagining ways to address problems and we're seeing all of these great things come of it. So, Mm. you know, I hope that, I hope that we will continue to use the online space as a connection place. And, um, but I hope that it leads us to each other in person, you know, and I don't think that we can trade one for the other, but I certainly think that it can be a doorway. Um, and that's what we're hoping with the summit this year and what we're starting to dream next year. I, you know, these, the Giwaywish project um, and our showcase program this year is 
it's something I can't imagine uh, not having part of our program in the future. Mm. It's it's really I'm I'm so so inspired by what the production team and these artists have done. So I can't wait for the world to see them. I'm very excited. Shoshona Keish and Amanda Rayum, such a pleasure to speak with both of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, talk about the International Indigenous Music Summit taking place June 8th to 12th, and people can go online to find out more about getting tickets and about all the exciting stuff that's going to be happening from June 8th to 12th online. So, uh, Jimmy Gwetch and Yawagoa for taking time to join me, and I look forward to speaking to both of you in the very near future. Jimmy Gwetch. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, David. This was lovely. All right, you guys take care. Okay, bama pi. Bama pi. Shoshona Kish is the Executive Director of the International Indigenous Music Summit, and Amanda Rium is the Events Operations Manager. And that is our show for today on Moment of Truth. Thank you for listening. I'm David Moses. We'll see you again next time. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.